Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. So these are submissions that we've had from other people that we've solicited. A lot of them are listeners and our listeners are really funny and shameful. (laughs) Okay. So I'm a feminist, but last week I was too tired to go to a women's rights seminar. So instead, I stayed home and binged on Sex and the City and Entourage. (laughs) This is also a submission. I'm a feminist, but when I did a feminist studies course as part of my degree at uni, I slept with my male tutor, who then gave me one of his old essays to hand in as part of my coursework. (laughs) It was a paper on Virginia Woolf's A Room of One's Own. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but when I took my dog to dog obedience school, the trainer said, I find girl dogs are harder to train, but women are difficult, right? And I laughed because he was incredibly fucking hot. I'm a feminist, but when the guitarist of my favorite band called me a sexy groupie and a typical girl after a gig... I snarked him anyway and gave him my number. I'm a feminist, but last night at the Edinburgh Festival, I arranged to meet a friend in a private members bar for performers only, and he said, do you have a pass to get in? And I said, passes are for guys. Girls just walk in. They're grateful to have us. (laughs) I I might have submitted that one. I'm a feminist, but I have a sexual fantasy about being an unpaid maid for a rich old man who I sexually pleasure in exchange for inheritance. (laughs) I'm a businesswoman and have my own money. It's just a sexual fantasy. (laughs) I submitted that. (laughs) Live from the Gilded Balloon at the Edinburgh Fringe, the Spontaneity Show presents the Guilty Feminist with Sophie Hagen and Deborah Francis. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Our topic, if you didn't hear, was taking up space. Taking up space, how we can take up space as feminists. And we're interpreting that in any way we, will, we like. <laughs> we want to. Any way we like. But uh, we all agree that it is easy for women to take up less space. Uh, give me a cheer if you feel you take up space. Like you take up as much space as you want to. Give me a cheer if you'd like to take up more space. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, uh, Sophie, what was your challenge? 
I'm going to start by letting you know that I failed it. It was a bit of a touchy subject because whilst being feminist, we're also comedians. And then when you see a show by one of your peers that's kind of problematic, it's a bit weird because you don't want to be a dick to your friends, basically. And I saw a show at the Fringe and it said some things about fat people where I was like, that's not... That's not okay, and it was really, it was really problematic, and it was, it wasn't accurate, and it wasn't true, it wasn't good, and I just, and I was sitting. The first half hour had been a fucking amazing, and this performer was so good, and, uh, and then the performer did this bit about how fat people are just complaining, and there's no reason to complain if you're fat, uh, it's just something we've made up, and my heart fell, and it just felt like having been. Like, we trusted this performer. We trust. I'm just gonna say him. Fuck it. We trusted him. We knew. I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to make that. We all knew. Uh, I've endured quite a lot of fat phobia and stuff, and I'm, I'm. You know, I really like my body, and I like how I look. But it's, when it hits you off guard, it's. And I got really sad, and I couldn't enjoy the rest of the show. I couldn't really enjoy the rest of my night. So I made myself the challenge of telling him, sitting him down, explaining, because it's probably just a misunderstanding. I totally get that. And then I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. And it was a mixture of me not wanting to, you know, it's the fringe, everyone's a bit stressed. It's the last thing he needs is for someone to come and, and tell him that there's a bit of his show that's not ideal. But then it was also, I started reading about other shows that I hadn't seen yet. And apparently that's a theme in a lot of people's shows this year is that fat phobia isn't a thing. And then I thought, well, then it's not him. Then it's a bigger problem, and I won't necessarily fix anything by telling him. And so I kind of failed that part of my challenge, but I did decide, because I didn't want to make my show this year about being fat again, because I didn't want to be like, oh, this is her thing. That's the only thing she talks about. But then I was like, well, I guess I, apparently I have to, because <laughs> they're still doing it. When I went to see Sophie's show the other day, it's brilliant, by the way, she said at the end of it, this one reviewer said, this show was about body image. Yeah. I never mentioned body image once. I'm just fat while I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that isn't the same. It's like, just doing... A brave doing... show about body... What? <laughs> a brave <laughs> show about body image. It's like, she doesn't talk about being fat at all. At am. all. And it's just hilarious. It's just like, how brave. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, it's, it's true, but it's, it's a, not over. I, I don't know. Like my last show was about body image, and apparently no one's listened. Uh, <laughs> I just can't believe it's still that. Are you suggesting? Are it. you suggesting you've done one show about body image, I and the whole everything. world hasn't changed? Yes. That is outrageous. <laughs> you did a fringe no, show, think, and you didn't change the opinion of the world. The thing is, it's I've crazy. Been, I've been yabbering on about this for fucking years. And it's not just the fact that there's someone on stage saying these things. It's the fact that then everyone else is laughing. And then I see people recommending these people's shows on Facebook. And then I feel like, oh, is that what you've been thinking? Every time I've written, mm. fat phobia is a thing. Someone shouted at me. We get lesser opportunities. And what have you just all been thinking? Mm, oh, yeah, right. It feels really, like, backstabbing. I think my challenge will be I'll have to do that next year, like next year's show. I think it is important because so many young women and girls are just constantly plagued with self-loathing about the shape of their body no matter what the shape and size of their body, girls are suicidal over it. It's a really, really big problem that it gets into women's heads, mm. that fat shaming is just, like, constant and consistent. You're right that it's, it's primarily women and, and girls, but it is also men. It's just, you know, women's looks matter more. I'm doing, I'm doing air quotes, matter more. Uh, yeah, it's such a pro- I can't believe people don't know it's a problem. 
I can't believe people... Why haven't everyone seen my show? <laughs> and why haven't they taken fucking front. notes and educated themselves? I mean, I feel so... Okay, so next year you have your show. Um, <laughs> it's called Why Didn't You Listen to My First Fucking Show by Sophie Hagen. Um, do I have to say this shit again? Uh, I met a friend for coffee recently. She's a great comedian. Her name's Faye Tracy. You should check her out. Uh, she plays the trombone. She's great. And she's, uh, she's quite a petite person. And she said, oh, I always feel so big because I'm always carrying this trombone. So everywhere I go, like I'm in everybody's way. And she said, people bump into me and then they get annoyed at me because they've bumped into my trombone. And I'm always trying to make myself smaller because, you know, I have this trombone. And, and then after she told me this, I started going on public transport and thinking about how actually all of us kind of carry an instrument all of the time. Sometimes like I'm sitting on the tube and it's like guys just like, they'll sit down and they'll spread their legs out like they're a drum kit. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they're like, oh, I've got the snare over here and like the big one and you know, some, <laughs> some men put their thighs out on a bus like they're their children, right? Have you seen that? It's like, there's Jeffrey and Jemima. And they're just like, do you know, guys, sit down, kids, make yourself happy. And it's like, they're three people. Like the person in the middle and both legs get their own seat. And I was just thinking about this idea. And so I decided to get on transport like I had a trombone, even though I didn't, to see if that would make a difference. And do you know what? It really does. If you step onto a train like this, then people just get out of your way. And I see women all the time, like petite women going, oh, I could take up less space, I could take up even less space. Like she's got this tiny little piccolo. And it's just really interesting to me that whether women are large or small, they're always trying to make themselves smaller. So what I'm going to try and get women to do from now on is take some kind of brass instrument. Like <laughs> to start with, you're going to have to take an actual brass instrument. So I'm going to need you all to hire minimum a saxophone. What would be ideal is if you would take a trombone out of its case and you would just walk around with a trombone. I don't feel like everyone's on board with my plan <laughs> to do that. But I, I did used to have a bit of stand-up years ago that was um, uh, if you're single and you, you, know, you want to be dating or whatever and you want more people to approach you, wear a hat. If I wear a hat, if I wear a hat down the street, a man will say, nice hat, which I read, nice tits, which is, <laughs> which is something he can't say unless I'm wearing a hat. Now, I don't do that material anymore because problematic. Um, hashtag feminism. But, <laughs> but there's something in it. There's something about making yourself taller and kind of daring to wear a hat. Anything that takes up bigger space, like a wide-brimmed hat would be really good. Go down the street in a wide-brimmed hat. Again, I don't feel like everyone's on board with my wide-brimmed hat trombone plan. I really think you should be, guys. This isn't really stand-up. I really mean this. Get a hat and a trombone and just learn what it feels like to take up more space. A large teddy. That would do it, because then you're like two people getting on a bus, and you're like, Teddy, have a seat. And then the man spreading guy is like, oh, I've got a shift for the Teddy. He won't want to, but make him. Because his expectation is, you know, like there's always more room for me. And that's just something he's learned from being in the world where people get out of his way. He's not a bad guy. We need to teach him that it's okay for sometimes him to budge up a little bit and for us to take up more space. Not all the time, like we could share the spreading situation. Sometimes I have a teddy, sometimes you bring your legs. That's just how it's going to go from now on, sir, okay? Are you down with that? 
If I sat next to you with a teddy, would you be interested in just making yourself a tiny bit smaller for me? I've solved man-spreading. <laughs> Boom. That makes a lot of sense. I love bringing like, big suitcases on the tube. Do you really? Yeah. Do you enjoy the feeling? Yeah, because to then, then I'm in the way, but it's not me. Mm. It's something else. It's like it's not my stomach, it's not my thighs. It's just this big ass. I mean, often I just bring one, even though I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> just just to take up more space. People. Yeah, no, I absolutely hear that. And it's not that I'm saying women should take up all the space and men should take up no space. I just want... <laughs> that is... That is what she's saying. Yeah. So my challenge was to walk down the street and first of all notice patterns of who gets out of whose way because I think this is something that happens. We make these decisions way before we hit each other and the pattern I noticed was two women coming. Are you going to get out of mine or am I going to get out of yours? Often I would go right and the woman would go left and we'd get out of each other's ways. If I was coming up to another woman, sometimes if I uh, decided to keep going, um, she would get out of my way and if I was coming up to a man and I thought, I'm just going to keep going, uh, he would not get out of my way, so I would have to curve at the last minute. All women seem to get out of the way for me. I'm five foot nine and a half, I have broad shoulders, and if I come at you, you're moving. Uh, <laughs> apparently. Uh, not one woman didn't swerve well before I got to them. Uh, most of the time, I would swerve quickly to avoid men because they would not get out of my way. So then I just thought, hey... What if I just keep walking? What if I don't get out of their way? What if I risk getting knocked to the ground by a really big guy? And I thought, I'm just going to do it. And at first, I just couldn't. I would always quickly swerve. Um, and then I thought, right, I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. I'm doing it. And I just steeled myself. And there was this huge guy, like he was built like the side of a barn, coming at me. And I just thought, not moving, not moving, not moving, not moving, not moving. And he came at me, and we were just about to bang. And he went, you're not going to be able to see this at home, but he just went, like that, to get on the side. He had to really turn his whole body. And he put his arms up and he looked at me and went, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, you haven't got out of anyone's way since you were nine. <laughs> the first fucking person you've ever before. He just didn't know what to do with it. His wife laughed. <laughs> but I was like, you've... He was just like, what the fuck? You didn't get out of my way because that's a unique experience for him. Whereas most of us will be like, half the time I get out of the way, half the time they get out of my way. Nobody doesn't swerve for this man. And I just did it. I was just like, go forward, go forward, just do it, do it, do it. Like I was in platoon. And, uh, <laughs> and he did it. And I was so happy. I was really, really happy. And then I, then I was able to do it. And then I just was coming at people and they were just <laughs> diving into traffic. And sometimes when I did it, I felt bad. I wanted to go back and say, it's just a challenge for a podcast. Uh, I'm not rude. But that guy, I was super happy because I was like, he will think about me on his deathbed. <laughs> oh, he will. He wants to know who I am and why I didn't get out of his way. So I then started trying different things. Like I found the most successful thing was starfish arms that if you put your arms out to the side, like a cape behind me, people then got out of my way because I was wider, but they were so happy 
they were like, oh, you're a happy person. Because I was sort of like, almost like a child. Like, you know, I was just like, hey, it's the fringe. I looked like that. I looked like, hey, it's the fringe. Like I was about to burst into song. Um, I've been trying to take up less space my whole life because I was too tall and too broad. And uh, today I found out what it would be like to enjoy taking up space. And actually it can be pretty great. It's so amazing, isn't it? It's really great. And so what I'm going to do now is just, again, I'm very happy to get out of men's way half of the time. Because that's fair, right? That's fair. If I always make myself smaller, it does something to you psychologically. If you're always going, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. And then you go into your big meeting to negotiate what kind of person. You've just walked down the street going, sorry, 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 I'll move, I'll small, 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 move, 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 move. And then you go, oh, sure, yeah, no, I'd love to negotiate over this contract. <laughs> so I'm getting out of men's way 50% of the time. I will get out of your way 100% of the time if you have small children, a pushchair, or you are old. Can I elaborate on that? Because I feel like I may have said this on the podcast before, uh, but it's really important. I spoke to my psychologist about that, and she said two things. She said, what you do is you, when you walk, focus on something far away and keep your eyes on it. They don't think you can see them, so they will get out of your way, and that makes it easier than if you <laughs> call I them. I absolutely agree, but what I discovered, one of my experiments, which I hadn't told you about, if I put headphones on and sunglasses, everyone gets out of your way because they think you can't see them, and that's not the same. Ah, it's same not a thing. status negotiation then. It's like, oh, I'll get out of the way for someone carrying a chest of drawers because they can't. Same or, if you hold your phone. Yeah, that's yeah. not the same. That big guy might have got out of my way if he'd thought I couldn't see him. Because then it's not, he hasn't lost anything. Oh, no, they don't, not necessarily. Not necessarily, but, but he might have. He wouldn't have gone, what the what fuck? But as a tendency, he might have gone, oh, she's rich, she's on her phone, or, you know. But he wouldn't have gone, he was so shocked. It was like I'd punched him. <laughs> and if I had been, like, down like that, he would have just been like... So, it's, to me, it's kind of important that they see me coming. And they I, know I see them coming. I base that on me having done that for, well, I don't know, since probably one of our episodes about... Uh, something similar. So I, I still do that. And I get out of the way when it's uh, other women. I get out of the way when it's... Um, I get out I'm, of the way I'm, of people who are in other ways uh, un- underprivileged in some kind of way. Whatever. I don't know what else to say. You know what I mean? People who deserve it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What uh, I'm trying to say is not... <laughs> white men. Fuck them. Uh, <laughs> but the most important thing uh, that my psychologist said was it's so dangerous. The feeling of being in the way, the feeling of being invisible is dangerous because when you're a baby, if you feel like you're in the way, if you feel invisible when you're a baby, you knew instinctively that you were going to be dead because you needed people to see you and feed you and take care of you. So every time you feel a bit invisible or a bit in the way, like people aren't seeing you, it's so dangerous. And she turned her face, when I said to her, everyone keeps bumping into me when I walk in the street, I always feel like I'm invisible. Like her face turned white. She was like, that's not good. You need to start. She, she was the one who told me to just fucking start batting into people because it's so important to feel like you're being seen. It's yeah. an important thing. You no, you need to not do. to feel like you're somehow Bruce Willis in uh, Sixth Sense. That's key. It's key that you don't feel like a ghost. That's key. It's you key to what? your mental health that you feel like not a fictitious character, that, not somebody's imaginary friend. That That's key that to movie, everybody's mental health. That makes that movie so unrealistic. In real life, if a white man was suddenly invisible, he'd be like, oh, no one's looking at me. Oh, that's true, actually. Because Willis was just like, yeah, sure, like, it would never happen. Yeah, or yeah, maybe women right. even get out of the way of white male ghosts. <laughs> maybe that's just so deep within us. We're like, oh, I just felt like moving to the side. <laughs> Why did I just move to the side? I felt like some, I felt like a wind of entitlement just <laughs> moved past me. 
I just budged up on this train and there's nobody there, but I feel like my leg is getting pressed into the window. I'll move my shopping. I saw this woman's show at this fringe. I just killed myself laughing for an hour. Uh, she's absolutely incredible. Uh, please put your hands together, stamp your feet, and make general woohooing noises for the wonderful Desiree Birch. God, thank you for making that last until I got all the way to the stage. I really appreciate that. It's rough. It was a long walk for me. Um, so uh, I'm also not from here, um, as you guys can tell. British people are always so nice to me. They're like, are you Canadian? I'm like, no, I'm fat, loud, and opinionated. You know where I'm from. So <laughs> uh, fuck around here. Um, and, you know, I, it's funny because, like, I definitely relate to all the stuff that we've been talking about. Now, I uh, recently, I've moved to London. Do you guys get down to London? Anybody from London? Anybody? Is somebody, okay. Can I ask you guys, are the rudest people on planet Earth walking the streets of London right now? Is that the way that shit works? Because, like, I lived in New York for 15 years. I've never experienced the same rudeness that I experience in London on a regular basis. So here's what happens to me when I walk down the street. I'll be walking down the street being fairly fucking noticeable, as you guys can tell. Um, and then there will always be some woman on the same plane as me, right? And she normally looks like this in comparison to me. Um, I don't know if you can tell we're both black. I know it's hard to figure it out. Um, but uh, I'm the fat one, right? And so, you know, here's what always happens like you know we do the dance right you know I move to the left she moves to the left and we keep going and going about our way right but what always happens to me is I move to the left and she moves not at all and does the right into me like I was going to combust in a 20 stone worth of glitter for her so she could just keep strutting down the catwalk in her mind you know it's always like one of these like skinny bitches with the legs that don't touch I know I can't say bitch but I'm saying bitch I feel like she's getting emotionally punched in the tit when I say bitch right now. Sorry. But it is, you know, like, the, you know the legs that don't ever, ever touch. Like, she could do eagle pose and there's still light shining at you from between her legs. Like, Sam Beckett is quantum leaping in the light between this chick's legs. There's so much of it. You know? And, like, she does that and, like, I don't know about, because I know this happens to other women and, like, I get, you know, all critical race and feminist theory as soon as it happens, you know? I'm like, am I invisible? You know, does she think she's more important than me? Does she think she's prettier than me or better than me? And it's like, why am I losing my mind? She's the idiot who doesn't know how to not move through solid objects, right? You know, so I figured out what to do, all right? You're not gonna like it, but it's going to work. It works for women, okay? I'm telling you. So like, when that woman tries to walk into you as though you do not exist, right? Just whisper a little bit louder than you should. Fat bitch. As she passes. Oh my God, it so works, okay? Seriously, right? It's perfect. Think about it, right? Because either one of two things is going to happen. Either one, she's going to immediately whirl around and go, excuse me, did you just call me a fat bitch? You're the fat bitch, fat bitch. And as soon as she calls you a fat bitch, you're allowed to kill her. <laughs> right? Like, that'll hold up in a court of law, right? Like, bystanders will be there like, oh, well, she should not have called the fat bitch a fat bitch, first of all, right? You know, like, that'll totally work. Or two, she's going to go home and cut herself. <laughs> Either way, feminism wins. Uh, no... <laughs> 
No, I know, I know, I know. It's not cool to fat shame, all right? But like, I just know how this game works, okay? I've been fat my entire life. I'm not one of these neo-fats who just let herself go in college, all right? I've been doing this shit my entire life, okay? I'm gonna go here and sit down and try to make it up to Deborah, but I'm just gonna, because you were talking about before with the man spreading, right? And like, I'm amazed that happens in London because you guys have the like chairs that do this thing on the side, right? So it's hard to do it because like in New York, there's nothing. So guys just like, just go for it. Just get into it, you know? And I'm always looking at them like, can I just ask their men here, how much room do you guys need for your balls? Like how, like, is it this much? Or like, is it this? Like, do we need to develop some special yoga so you guys can sit there and fan your balls and read the Sunday morning times? You've seen, you've seen a man fan his balls before, right? Like he's just like, man, all this ball entitlement to all this ball real estate he's got to take up, you know? You've never once in your life seen a woman sit down on a park bench like, yep, just gonna clip some coupons today. God. Anybody else hot? I'm hot, you know? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go sit down. You guys are lovely, thank you. We're gonna get so many emails. Oh my God, I am gonna be writing emails Signs. for a forward week. Forward them, forward them. I, I will. <laughs> oh, thank you for doing that. <laughs> yeah, cause see, like, I love the thing you're saying, but like my big issue is not the men because the men see I'm big. And like, I body checked a man before. Like this great thing happened the last time I was in New York. I was getting on the train in Harlem and you know, like the train doors are there and this guy's standing right at the center of them and they like pause for a second, they don't open. I'm looking at the guy like, I've got to get off the train. He's trying to get on the train. Obviously there's an order of operations here. Like I clear, he gets on. But he's just standing right in the middle. And I was like, oh, I see this fucking motherfucker wants to play. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I am 20 stone a fucking woman. Like you are going to respect me and like so you know like the doors open and he walked in and I was like nope <laughs> right like he just got filtered to the side like I was a street cleaner like he just got like boom, boom like all on the side and I was like okay I felt good for days after that like days I'm just saying it is so worth it but yeah my problem is other women who like I can tell like go like oh I have the right of way like in society in the world like I have the right of way and I'm just kind of like you know sometimes it really gets to me and so I just use physical violence <laughs> well, sorry no 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 this is, this is, I'm learning a lot the opinions by the podcast these are that's right, but personal opinions uh, yes these do not represent guilty feminists I'm clearly one but just of a different ilk this is don't yeah, yeah. Send, you email me directly yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, these these are, these are unique and exciting views so, uh, so uh, when did you learn to take up space? I think it probably started to happen once I was living in New York City because I had always, you know, I'd grown up in the suburbs, you know, and like, you know, like I grew up in Southern California, so I was always trying to be smaller and like invisible nearly because like everything there is about being like mall ready, you know, <laughs> like blonde highlights and like all of that sort of Hollywood look. And I was just like, this is kind of terrible. And I, you know, moved away from there. And I think once I was in a city where 
I kind of not only saw, you know, a diversity of different kinds of people and learned to respect myself and acknowledge myself a little bit more, but physically had to take up space in order not to get enveloped and swallowed by a huge city every day. Like it really helped me to just kind of be like, you know, spread out more, you know, like move with purpose, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and also being a performer helps too, because like you get an entire space to yourself where people are just like forced to go like, this is important because like you've raised yourself four feet off the floor in front of them. Mm -hmm. Like this is suddenly important now. Okay, great. You know? So yeah, that's helped too. It's true. I was also raised in a, not California, but I was raised in an Australian beach town where the, uh, the currency for women was to be as small as possible. And the girls that were fanciable were t- like petite, yep. um, blonde, very tanned, uh, small, actually small breasts, like small everything, just, just mm. tiny. That was what you wanted to be. And I just thought, I'm never going to be small enough. And I said on a previous podcast in this small beach town, like no boys ever fancied me at school. And then I got a message late one night on Facebook, you were wrong. And I was like, what? And like, some school friend found me on Facebook and was like, you said no boys fancied you at school. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he said, you were wrong. And I said, I said, I said who fancied me? He said, I did. Aww. I know. I know. So I got some fan mail in the middle of the night. So that's that, not fan mail. That, that's sounds, yeah, that sounds like a stalker email, to <laughs> no, be honest. No, no. He, he's going to be listening to this. <laughs> Why are you ruining it? All right, sorry. You're no, perfectly no, normal no, no, person. No, it was perfectly normal. In nice. the middle of the night, just like... Oh, but it's Australian. Oh, okay. There. So it was so, in the... Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it All was right. sweet. It was sweet. Okay. We're, we're both married, so it was really sweet. He was just like, I just wanted you to know <laughs> that wasn't really the case. Like, you didn't see me there. And then he told me a story you about... You didn't see him? yeah. You bitch. No, sorry. <laughs> no, he said one time he came over to talk to me to ask me out, and then um, I laughed at him. Oh, and made me feel bad. What? I don't go. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I don't. I see. He certainly didn't ask me out. I don't remember this happening at all. I rem- actually, we both remember the incident in a different way. Anyway, the point of the matter is, I'm going to say more stuff like this because I want more of those messages. <laughs> Nobody liked me. I wouldn't, nobody likes me now. I'm so... Un- <laughs> super super unsexy. Do you think that you laughed at him just knowing yourself? Like, do you think that you go like, ha, scoff, never you? Or do you think that you laughed at him because you didn't think anyone could possibly fancy you and you thought he was a, joking? No, he didn't say anything. I had... I, I would never in a million years have... He, he didn't ask me out. And he, doesn't, he didn't say he did ask me out. But if you're listening, that was very sweet of you. Um, yeah, so I learned to take up space much later. I've just basically always wanted to take up this space my whole life. And I'm sort of now quite enjoying my height and the... And it's like you say on stage, it really is amazing to take up, to take up space. And it, this is, doesn't matter how big or small your body is on stage. Just fully pulling yourself up to your full height, coming towards the audience. <laughs> it's the greatest yeah, it's experience. But I don't, I can't. I, I mean, I love being on stage. It's the best thing in the whole world, but I don't... That was never why I did it, and it was never the best part of it for me. It was like being on stage was like the worst bit about being a comedian. Because mm. I'm, I'm introverted, I'm, I'm socially angst, I don't like being the center of attention. The first two years I did stand-up, I had this constant feeling of looking behind me because I didn't understand... Like it, it didn't make sense in my head that people were looking at me, so I kept feeling like something must be happening behind me. So that was something I had to get used to. And now I like it because I like saying the words that I've prepared. But I don't... If you took away my microphone, I would like, go completely angst on the whole situation. I like taking up space 
like in theory, like when I when I walk down the street and I'm gonna try and you know not move for anyone, I have to think of it as a feminist action. I can't be me, just me as a person. I have to be. This is for this is feminism because I know. So I you know, have to get barge into men for all women. Yeah, it has to be. A, it has to be a woman issue. It has to be. For more than me. just you. It's it not can't me, be a Sophie Hagen issue. It's not Hagen me issue. just serving the space. It's, I know that this man won't move out of the way because patriarchy, and that's the only reason why. Because if that wasn't a thing, mm. I would move for everyone. So it's like a video game of patriarchy versus feminism trying to get through for you. <laughs> yes. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so interesting. So I just don't, I don't like being a center of attention. I don't like being amongst people. I don't like, which is why I make myself smaller, and that's why people you know, bump into me in the street because I just make myself non-existent. What do you think about, like, hen nights? I feel like when women are together, they can take up space. Oh, I yeah. feel like when women are in an army, they take up so much space. Especially a hen night. It's, like, way far too much probably for society sometimes <laughs> on hen nights. But I think also, uh, you know, probably because they're focused on each other and themselves and no one else, you know? So part of that taking up space is not thinking of yourself from an outside gaze and how you're being looked at or perceived or valued or appreciated because, you know, on a hen night, you know, you're out there drinking. It's about your friend. It's about wearing, like, the biggest, you know, dick crown on on your head, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's an internal thing. So, like, if you're thinking about, like, we're having a good time in this general hive here, you'll take up a lot of space without worrying what anybody else thinks of you. Like, they play these games. Have you ever been on a hen night where they... God, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fuck, it's also I've true, lost yeah. friends because they invited me to hen nights. Like, fuck, no, we're not seeing each other anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you dumped a friend because you, you were yes. like, I'm not, we can't be Yeah, friends. we're not the same type of people. Say I got married again and I invited you on my head night. No. Okay. It's over. What if, what if I was like, over. it meant a lot to me for you to Don't come? Don't care. Right, okay. <laughs> no, no matter how much it meant to you, it would not top the anxiety I would feel about having to do that. Yeah, no. Whenever no. I do a comedy club and I see, I can, I, uh, the dick hats. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would love to wear a dick hat in private. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not what I'm saying. Everyone loves a dick crown, but... <laughs> It's the loudness and it's the hype and it's like, I was the annoying kid on the bus because uh, we would take the bus from um, like our pre-party at school and then we would go to the school where the actual party was and the, it would always be like this loud, like all these kids on the bus at like 9pm and I would be the one going, guys, shh, guys, there's other people on the bus, guys, guys. even though I was so wasted myself, I'd be like, shh, hey, hey, I, I, I'm wasted and I still have empathy for these people so let's hold just wheel back a bit. You can't be at one-tenth of a hen night. That's just not going to happen. God, no. So um, stay with Tom. Yes. <laughs> Don't get married again. Okay, what if Tom left me and then I married John Hamm? Stay with Deborah. <laughs> um, I honestly think sometimes women form a small army to make a noise in the world, to make themselves bigger, because they're protected by the other people. Because if one woman behaved like that, one woman on a tube in a penis hat... <laughs> <laughs> You can't do it. It's unsafe because you, you're asking. For, you're not asking for it. I don't, oh, God, I've just said you're asking for it. Oh, my God. But I'm so there, sorry. But there are going to be people who will be, you know, oh like, God, oh, yeah. you drunk whatever so-and-so. Like, you need to, Yeah, and you know. I did not mean you're asking for it. Please edit this out of the podcast, Tom. I didn't mean like that. But <laughs> I've I meant infected like you, you would, guys with non-feminism. No, no. <laughs> oh, God. I want to I wanna do that. I want to go on the tube in London at, like, 8 a.m. with a penis hat. <laughs> just read like Virginia Woolf go, what, <laughs> what? if she dared you to do that on a Hindu you wouldn't do it oh yeah no, 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 no. <laughs> this is I okay yeah. this is a challenge for you this is a yeah. podcast challenge a oh, one woman 8am hen, hen morning <laughs> just on your own <laughs> you just go to. on 
you're just drinking. If anyone looks at me, I've got to go, I'm getting married. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> just drinking a Bacardi through a penis straw. <laughs> 8 a.m. Rush hour. Reading Virginia Woolf. Reading on my Kindle. Penis hat. Yeah. Oh, love Pretty, him. Oh. Yeah. Proposed on New Year's Eve. With a, a Gloria, Gloria Steinem t-shirt. <laughs> and yeah. Um, I'm just. I'm just suggesting. What if you did that? Just you alone in a stretch love limousine. To. Anyone have any questions about taking up space? Ooh, oh, okay. Well, that was... Yeah. <laughs> Someone there took was... up space with the question about taking up space. I like that. That's good. Hi, yeah. I wanted to ask about taking up space in conversation rather than... Mm-hmm. Because I find that's more of a pernicious problem. What do you guys think? I don't know. I have a loud sonorous voice, so you know I'm benefited a little bit by uh, genetics in order to be able to do that kind of thing. But even still, I do find that even in conversations with my best friend, who is a, a male, you know that I, I'm often sort of interrupted. And I used to be more of an interrupter. I used to be like, you know, I need to fight for this. And now I'm just kind of like, I'll wait for the children to finish, and then I'll continue saying what I was going to say because I feel like it has enough, you know, merit, gravitas, whatever, to do. That. I have noticed sometimes that I don't breathe nearly as much as I should because I have this secret fear that if I stop speaking, I am going to be, you know, cut off. And so even on stage in life, it's just like I've just learned to keep running out my voice until there's nothing left because I'm afraid that someone's going to cut in because I'm like, I've got the floor. There's, there, there are extensive studies that say women talking together talk more than men talking together. But if there's a one man, studies show men speak 75% of the time. But women are perceived to speak more than half the time. So if you ask the men, they'll be like, yeah, she spoke for more than half the conversation, even though she spoke for 25% of the Whoa. conversation. Um, and this is very, very, very well documented. And at the same time, uh, which that reminded me of, as you said, uh, women speak a lot faster than men because we do have that fear of being interrupted. We're like, okay, gotta get everything out now because we're gonna, oh, there we went. Mm. And then men speak slowly. And if, if men and women speak in the same pace, the same volume, exactly the same way, women will be perceived to be speaking slower than the man is because we're used to women talking so quickly because we have to that they're like, oh, get on with it now. And then they'll be like, well... Well, it it takes status to speak slowly. It takes status. I had a really funny, ironic thing happen the other day where two guys were saying that they're writing scripts and they are scared to write female characters and they tend to write them really blandly because they said otherwise... You know, people get offended and, like, I'm worried I'm making them, you know, I'm slut-shaming or I'm making them too like this or too like that. So I tend to write them really blandly. And I was like, well, um, what I do is if I'm writing and representing another group is I consult people from that group. So if I wasn't sure, say I was writing for a person of colour and I wasn't sure that I had it accurately, I would give it to three or four people of colour and I would get a consensus around whether that was representative. It's not going to be representative of every person's experience, but if they feel it's way out, I'll change it. I'm writing a script about disability at the moment and definitely consulting with those people. That's what I tried to say. What I, in fact, said was, well, I find... I find... (laughs) One thing that's been useful... I'm writing a script about... I've got a commission for a... From the... Well, the BBC... (laughs) Yeah, I gotta go now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. Because he was going, yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know how to write for women because, you know, it's so problematic because it's just like they complain all the time because you get it wrong. <laughs> you have a woman in front of you who's trying to explain an idea 
and wow. you won't listen. And it was so annoying. And eventually I did kind of get it out. And he said, oh, I don't think I need to consult women. I just, you know, it's my imagination. Oh, I need gosh. to be creative. <laughs> and I was like, oh, why don't I just, you know, punch myself repeatedly in the face instead of that idea? Um, <laughs> we had another question in the second row. Yes. So just the question, because we didn't have a mic there, was I work in a male-dominated industry. Uh, I often try and make myself more visible, but then they get annoyed that I am visible and they shout me down. What do I do? So they will... I find they will do that. And I think we've... Uh, I mean, if anyone else is kind of new into this whole trying to take up more space and speak louder and do all the things that we're basically talking about in the podcast, we'll find that, like, the... the um, they'll get angry. People get angry. when Because it's not just... If you had to come into that workplace and from the get-go you'd been shouty and loud and just taking up all the space, they wouldn't have been as angry with you as when you suddenly start changing. Because they don't feel like you're taking up more space. They feel like you're taking their space from them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it in terms of um, starting to say no, because that was the thing I went through with my therapist, was I had to start saying no to doing people's homework, even though I was really good at it. Um, <laughs> she was like, you don't have the time, and why would you? It was a good point. And she said, when you start, suddenly start saying no, people feel like you're taking something from them, and they will be furious with you for a while, and then they'll get used to it, and then it'll be fine. I don't know if it's the same thing in terms of taking up space as a woman. That was what that made me think of. If somebody's losing privilege then it feels like something's being robbed from them. Like, I've always had it. I assume I will always have it. There's fear, I think, when any minority group starts to take ground. And the only frustrating thing is women are not a minority. We are a majority. Um, but we're constantly, we're constantly told we're a minority. Well, I mean, then again, most ethnic minority groups aren't a minority. Either, I know, you know, so ultimately, in right? America, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, but it, do you know what I mean? Though? Yeah, well, like absolutely. It's, it's bizarre. Absolutely. It's absolutely bizarre the way that we continue to act like a minority and yeah. we continue to go, oh, sure. So I think probably Sophie's right. You just need to continue to make yourself visible until they're used to it. Agreed. Persist in what you're doing. And also, most people respond to you because of something about them. So always looking at, like, what is this saying about them will probably help you to kind of diffuse whatever, you know, bomb they've sort of created to, you know, detonate for you. Oh, um, if you want to find me on the internet, I am at Des the Ray at uh, all the social media, at least the grown-up social media. I don't know what a Snapchat is. I'm sorry. Um, I'll figure it out one day. Uh, oh, DesireeBirch.com. Sorry about that. I forgot. I have a website because it's, you know, the future currently now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sophie Hagen, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I've started... Um, we spoke a lot about this uh, today, about being a bit socially angst and weird. I, I've started my own little podcast called Made of Human, which is uh, where I talk to people who are also a bit introverted or have some kind of <laughs> some kind of difficulties with being human. And uh, we talk about how we cope in the world and how we, we feel like we become people. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Sophie Hagen. Is that right? 
Um, I have some shows here at the Fringe I would like you to see. Uh, so I'm doing Global Pillage, which is a diversity-based comedy panel show. It's two teams of comedians versus the hive mind of the audience, which is you, so you can shout out if you know the answer to the question. You do not have to shout out, but you can. You can also listen to it on globalpillage.net, and you can listen to this show on guiltyfeminist.com. Help us in uh, giving a big round of applause for Desiree Birch. <laughs> Okay, Sophie, are you ready? Yep. <laughs> Here we go. Live from the Builder Galoon. <laughs> At this stage of the fringe. Day 498 of the Fringe, the Builded Galoon. It's, it's your fucking handwriting, Tom. <laughs> Gilded Balloon. Gilded. Was that my handwriting? It's typed, so Shut that up. part is typed. It's typed in enormous Gilded great balloon. big fuck-off font. Gilded yeah. Balloon. All right, ready? I'm so sorry. Not sorry. <laughs>